0: Welcome back, Life Group Leaders, to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. (laughs) That was Pastor Hayden, and this is Pastor Evan. I almost called myself Pastor. You almost
1: got yourself. Oh, it sounds like you're going to call yourself Pastor Heaven.
0: That's where I'm going. (laughs) We exist. At Compass Bible Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, by teaching people to be like Christ and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast, including Sunday services, Compass Kids, Compass Students, Compass Women, Compass Men, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching and training. Well, Pastor Hayden, you are continuing to wrap up Colossians, the book of Colossians, with your next sermon titled Generous Living. And this comes from Colossians chapter four, verses twelve and thir- uh, twelve through thirteen, and fifteen to sixteen. So we're leaving fourteen isolated on an island, saying,
1: "Yep, we're gonna gonna handle that one next week." There you go.
0: Well, let me read that to you guys right now. Colossians chapter four, beginning in verse twelve. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has, continu- he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea, Laodicea and Heropolis. And continuing in verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. All right, Pastor Hayden, what is the focus that we're going to have in this upcoming sermon on Sunday?
1: Well, of course, the focus on this week's sermon is generous living. And really the the point is we must strive as Christians to be exceptional examples of the generosity that God has given us. And we can do that through our personal commitment to generosity. And so we're going to focus in on that because that's what the text is focusing on. Uh, And and there's a couple of ways we can do that that you're going to learn on Sunday. And the first way is to start with yourself. I love in the text that Epaphras, who is one of you, that means he was a Colossian. He was well known there. uh, And he was one of of the brothers. And what is interesting about that is it wasn't uh, somebody from the outside who came in Uh, who planted the churches there, who gave of themselves and their time and their talents uh, to make uh, the church happen, to build the church, to uh, plant the church there, if you will. Uh, And Epaphras, who was one of them, said, I'm going to do it. And really, that was him being generous with himself. And he didn't stop after he planted the church. The whole text continues to go on by saying he struggles in his prayers, uh, and his, his prayers to God on their behalf is that they would stand mature and assured in the will of God. And uh, Paul goes on to say that he has been a first-hand witness that Epaphras has worked hard for them, and not just for them, but those in Laodicea and Heropolis, all those churches there in the Lycus Valley. Uh, Epaphras has been generous with himself for the sake of those churches, and that's uh, something we need to focus on and be intentional about in our own lives, that we are generous with ourselves. Secondly, uh, so I love when I'm reading verse 15, and Paul brings up a wonderful woman of God in, in the woman of, of Nympha, and what she did was so pivotal for the health of God's church, and that is this: that say hi. Be sure you say hi to Nympha uh, in the church in her house. Paul lifts up uh, this gal, and it's not the first one. I think of uh, Lydia, uh, Nympha. There's another gal who opens her home. Up to the church, and that is John Mark's mother. And we have a lot of these gals in the uh, in the New Testament who opened up their home, and they were generous with their stuff. And that's the the second thing that we're going to focus on is being generous with their own stuff. I love that the nympha here. I mean, it points her out as someone who has given her stuff. Like her home was not her home; it was God's home. And she opened that home because obviously she was a well-off woman who had a home large enough to fit the church. And even if you say, well, what if the church is only 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 people? Well, that's still a large home, especially uh, in, the, in, in the time of the first century there when the letter was written. And so Nympha has a home that's big enough to house Uh, The church there uh, in Laodicea, and I love it. And I think we need to focus in on that and realize how important it is for us not to just be generous with ourselves, but be generous with what God has already given us in way of things and stuff. How often God would be glorified if his saints would use our stuff to to build up the church. And then thirdly and finally, uh, even paying attention to all of the verses, all four verses that we've been looking at, is uh, the fact that we got to realize that they're not just talking about a church here. I mean, there are three churches in view, I mean, even if you take uh, a conservative view, because we just see the names, like Colossians is who the letter is written to, you have the church in Laodicea, and Heropolis, and depending on what your view is about the letter uh, in verse 16 that, that we don't really know about this there could be talking about the ephesians and the letter that bears the name of ephesians could also be some of the letters that they're throwing around there because ephesians or, or ephesus was only uh, a few miles down the road uh, to the west and so what i'm saying here at least we can look at this and say wow there was more than a, an individual church mindset here there was more than a local mindset there was a there was a kingdom mindset and so the third thing that we want to focus on here is being generous towards god's kingdom for all of us to recognize that God's uh, God's plan, the uh, God's work, is bigger than Compass. It's bigger than New Braunfels. It's bigger than the Hill Country, and it's bigger than America. And we need to be more generous to all that God is doing. Do we need to start with the church, the local church? Of course, that's what God has told us to focus in on in our own context. But it's not while we neglect God's kingdom mindset as far as the churches in the Hill Country in America and the world. So we're going to focus on those three things, and I'm looking forward to jumping in on that this weekend.
0: Another thing is that um, Pastor Hayden, if you have, you know, you and uh, Kayla is pregnant, and uh, if you have a daughter, you got Nympha, Nympha Thomas for her name, and there then you if go. you have a boy, a Paphros, you know what, Paphros Thomas, you're a church planter. He was a church planter. So, speaking of helpful insights, <laughs> look at that segue. <laughs> wow, uh, that you great. mentioned a Paphros who was a church planter. What are some helpful insights and insights in in context that we can have as life group leaders with the Paphros?
1: Well, if you re- remember back to the beginning of uh, the sermon uh, series through the letter to the Colossians. We, we talked about Epaphras, and you have to remember that he was most likely led to Christ by Paul when Paul took a couple of his trips to Ephesus and so uh, most likely Epaphras encountered Paul there, heard him preaching the gospel, came to Christ, received some discipleship, and went back home to the Lycus Valley, or specifically to Colossae where he's from, and he planted the churches there in Laodicea and Hierapolis and Colossae. And so you got to recognize that uh, Epaphras there was was not just a local church leader. He was like a regional church leader, uh, recognized by all the churches there in the Lycus Valley. That's just something to keep in mind as you're studying through this and as you're leading your life group. Uh, Secondly, you're going to find something real interesting here, especially if you're new to uh, looking into the letters of the New Testament, when you read things like verse 16. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. You, you, when you look at that, you're like, oh, I'm missing something uh, about, uh, about the Bible. And, and you are, and one of those things you have to understand is a lot of the letters that we read, um, even the letter to the Ephesians, uh, the letter to the Colossians, and we can probably go into some other letters of the churches. Many of them were what we would call circulatory letters. And they were letters that were meant for more than one church. And even, uh, we can say, that even to the letter of the Ephesians, which most scholars and uh, most uh, pastors would tell you that that's a circulatory letter, uh, the reason that Ephesians, it's, it's uh, entitled the, the book of Ephesians, is because the transcripts that we found, or the uh, Greek manuscripts, even better, Greek manuscripts, uh, they found, said, Ephesians. It said Ephesus. And so even though that may have been a circulatory letter, the ones they found uh, were to, uh, that were found in Ephesus to the churches in Ephesus. Uh, And so you're going to find here in verse 16, wow, some of these letters were not just meant for that particular church, they were meant for the churches in the area. And so they would take the letter, they would read it, and they'd pass it on to the other churches and have it read there, which should give you a whole lot of uh, confidence in the fact that we still do that. We're taking the letters of the New Testament and applying it to our church, Uh, A lot of people say, well, what do we have in common with with Ephesus? Or what do we have in common with Rome or Corinthians or the the Thessalonians? And it's like, hey, this this is what the churches have done. They passed the letters on because the letters weren't just to one group of people Uh, and then it was done with. It was for the whole church. It was for the church throughout history, and we're getting to do that same thing. And so we have that in verse 16. I thought that was a really good uh, observation. Small, short, there's a lot more details about circulatory letters, but that's what you need to know when you look at verse 16. We don't have the letter to the Laodiceans, uh, and so that is a letter that has been lost in history. It wasn't canon, and it's not something we need to worry about because we understand that we have every single word of God, not that there weren't other letters, but we have the ones that God has for us in the closed canon of Scripture.
0: Well, speaking of the Church of Laodicea, I know if you are uh, an astute Bible reader, you would have known in Revelation chapter three um, that this church is actually mentioned. And so this might come up in, in life group. Uh, one of our people in our group might bring it up. So Pastor Hayden, what is the context with the Church of Laodicea You know, now and then obviously its future just down the road that might be helpful for us as life group leaders to know in the back of our minds to so we can lead our life group
1: well? Yeah, I love uh, the fact that it's mentioned again, because here it's mentioned uh, within this context of living generously. Like, you gotta you gotta realize that people have been working hard for you, that people... That, and we're talking about Epaphras, of course, uh, and, and of course, he's not the only one. And this idea that we gotta live generous lives, and uh, this letter was read to the church in Laodicea, and Paul's instructions in this letter of Colossians, which is also, again, read in Laodicea... Uh, seem to have, in some not-so-distant future, fallen on deaf ears when you look at Revelation and seeing the, uh, the warning that Christ had given to the same church that received this letter uh, of Colossians and had it read in front of them. And he's saying, he looks at them and says, uh, Hear the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And that word spit is more and you probably if you've been here long enough, understand that's not the word spit, it's the word vomit or throw up. I, I want you out of my body, out of my system. I don't want any part of you. And there's some important things to understand because they were in a, the Lycus valley, uh, when he says, Hey, that I don't I wish that you were either hot or 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 cold what he's saying is hey hot water is good for things like you know that right you wash your dishes in hot water you take showers in hot water hot water was good for certain things cold water is also good for certain things you drink cold water uh, you hang out and swim in cold water i mean cold water is good hot water is good you know what's not good lukewarm water. And the idea is uh, the church in Laodicea was sitting right there in the middle, and they were good for nothing, and the only thing they were good for is to be thrown up out of our mouth. And so a lot of these verses you, you would read in Revelation 3 uh, speak really close to things they were uh, that, that they knew in, in the culture there in the Lycus Valley. Uh, and he says things like, you know, you, you say that I'm rich and you've prospered. The, the Laodicea was a very prosperous area. Uh, he counsels you, buy me gold refined by fire, so you may be rich in white garments, so you may clothe yourselves. And, and and you can go into some of the context of this uh, and, and recognize, hey, there was a very uh, great uh, cloth industry going on there. So they had plenty of clothes. They had nice things. They were very wealthy groups of people. And he looks at them and says, listen, you're lukewarm. You think you're rich. You think you've prospered. You think you're in need of nothing. But at the end of the day, you're wretched, pitiful. Pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, and that's that's a that's a, a stark warning for us. And at the end of the day, in verse thirteen, he says, "Those whom I love, I reprove dis- and, and discipline." So be zealous and repent. And so even uh, for, this, for us, for us as, as life group leaders, as pastors, at the end of the day, we got to make sure: Hey, are we heeding uh, the Bible? And if we're not heeding the Bible, are we eventually going to heed the warning of Scripture that says, "Hey, you cannot be lukewarm." You need to be zealous and repent. It's time for the whole church of God to be a generous church and be ready for the work that God has entrusted us here at Compass. Well,
0: if that's a warning, uh, Pastor Hayden, what's an example that we we can follow as a church? And I think we read it in our D.B.R. in Acts mm-hmm. chapter two. You want to elaborate on when the church you know <laughs> formed at Pentecost in Acts chapter two, verses forty-two to forty-seven? Um, how can we emulate? probably what Paul's trying to allude to and say, this is what generous living looks like.
1: Yeah, again, when we look at the early church in the book of Acts, we understand that they are what we call descriptions of what was going on, not prescriptions. And so it's not that we take everything in the book of Acts and prescribe it to ourselves saying we have to do these things, but they are descriptions that are helpful and useful for us to take into account as we are living faithful lives. Now, in verse 42 of Acts 2, "...they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need." And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That whole picture there, that description of the early church, it oozes with generosity. I mean, it it proves the fact that to be Christian is to be generous. And there are a lot of generous people out there who aren't Christians, but to be a Christian is to be generous. And so we got to understand that part of our job as, as Christians is to truly understand that we have to be an exceptional example of that lavish generosity of God in our own lives.
0: Well, it's going to help us as life group leaders is to make sure that we are preparing and going through these application questions and be able to lead, not just facilitate, but to lead our life group through these questions that you have prayed over and prepared for us to help spur us on to be a church that has generous living. So, Pastor Hayden, what direction do you have for us as life group leaders with the application questions this week?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been using some a couple of verses in each question to get us to think about uh, what the Bible says, and not just using proof text, but showing, hey, the Bible says this uh, multiple times, and that's why I'm using multiple scriptures in most of these. And what I would want you guys to do is have people open their Bibles to these, and maybe have people... Half the people open to one question, uh, verse and half the people open to the other. And as you ask these questions, and, and you were really asking people, study these passages, understand what they say, and then derive your answer from the text. And so I know in my life group I'm having people uh, stay in that text. So Because after I answer the question, they close their Bibles, no one ever goes back to the text. So I tell them, keep your Bibles open. And I have half of them stay on this verse, half of them stay on the other verse. And we're going to try and see how, how that works getting people just to look back at the text just look back at the text and let's answer the question in light of the text before us and the sermon that we just heard on Sunday so i'll leave that there uh and and the goal is to keep them in the text you know keep them out of their opinion keep them into the text and then derive the answer from the text and then the application from the text that's the i think that can be a helpful exercise to try this week
0: awesome well we have a, a resource for you guys this is one book that I have, and Pastor Hay, do you have one in mind, or do you want to use the one I wrote down?
1: Yeah, that one's good. I mean, there's a lot of books. I know uh, Swindoll has a couple of books on generosity that are really good. You can just look up his titles on generosity. He's got a couple of good ones, and this one's good, too. What is it?
0: This one's Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is a great book. It even might be a good book study as a life group. If you want, to, if you guys are crushing application questions, you want to continue to fellowship, this is a good book to read as a life group. It will kind of kick you in the pants a little bit and a roundhouse house to the face. But the context is that you know Bonhoeffer was living in during Nazi Germany and during the time was before World War II. And he's telling the church that you need to live together. You need to be fellowshiped together. You need to be generous to one another. And this is the time where churches are, are being closed and pastors are being arrested that won't conform to the Nazi regime. And here's a guy saying, no, we need to have generous living despite the persecution that we're facing. And here we are in um, the United States where, you know, right, right now, We're not facing persecution by gathering together at Compass Bible Church. And so all the more, it's a great and helpful resource to kind of spur on one another to live generously as a life group.
1: It's interesting. In the first 300 years of the church, they were being highly persecuted, and yet you see the generosity uh, just flowing out heavily. And even here in Life Together, again, you have a highly persecuted people, and yet the generosity flows out. And then you have churches uh, these days when we have plenty And uh, in the land of plenty, uh, we don't have very many, if you will, being generous. And so we need to be a church that doesn't have to go through persecution to see the benefit of generosity.
0: All right, well, the clock is moving faster than we are, Pastor Hayden. It so is. let's ju- jump to the training. You have prepared a training for us as life group leaders, and so what is the training that you have for us? We're setting aside the uh, spiritual leadership uh, for just today, uh, for this week, and you have mm-hmm. a, a training for us uh, this week.
1: Yeah, Well, what we want to do is make sure we're addressing the needs and the things going on in our life groups, and so that's why I'm here, and we're going to be talking about life group attendance and growth. We're a growing church, we have a lot more people coming to our church, and we got to know... What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them when it comes to being a part of a life group? The first thing you need to understand, and we go over this in exploring Compass, and that is this, that life groups are what makes someone a part of Compass. You can come to church on Sundays, but just attending Compass doesn't make you a member of Compass. What makes you a member, even biblically speaking, a part of the body, right, a finger, a thumb, a a big toe, a toenail, right, a heart, whatever it is, whatever part you are, uh, what makes you a part of Compass is the fact that you're in a life group. And why is that? Well, we have to know, as pastors, who is a part of the church. It's actually our job to know who is a part of our church. We have to have a way to be able to look out and say, these people are a part of the church. These people attend, but these people I'm actually responsible for uh, to God. Uh, There's two verses I want you to to, uh, pay attention to when it comes to this uh, command to know our flock. First Peter 5, 2 through 4 is 1, and it says shepherd the flock of God that is among you. you see, it's the one that's among us. We have to know who is among us because we have to shepherd them. And in that, in verse 2, it says you have to exercise oversight. And so we understand that part of our responsibility is to lead the flock and oversee the flock. And to oversee the flock, we have to know who they are. And we can't know who everyone is that shows up on a Sunday morning, but we can know who everyone is who attends a life group because we take attendance. You guys know them. We know them. We can engage that way. And so that's how at our church we do membership. Now, there's another verse that I want you to think about, and it's Acts 20, 28, when it says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. This is talking to the pastors there uh, in Ephesus, I believe, Uh in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Three things to pay attention to. We as pastors have to pay careful attention to ourselves and the flock. Again, we have to know who the flock is. Because the Holy Spirit has made us overseers of that flock to care for the church of God. And so we see as a fundamental part of our job is to know who the flock is. And so that's why we have life groups so we can know who the flock is and then we can oversee them and disciple and lead them. Now that brings me to the conflict that we are are, are trying to deal with and manage. It's the idea of a life group visitor versus a life group member, okay, and this is a visitor is obviously someone who has come or coming, but does not regularly attend Compass. Now, we all have those in our groups, and they're welcome in our groups, and we want them in our groups, Uh, but we have to understand that there is, is a bit of a difference between someone who is visiting and checking out a life group versus someone who is what we call a member or someone who has gone through Exploring Compass and has joined a life group or will join a life group. And I wanna make sure that all of our leaders are on the same page with with this because it's gonna be so important to understand what do we do? Because there's a problem we have to solve because of this, right? And that is we have to know what groups have room and ability to add new members. And the problem often becomes we have so many people who come visit and they come once or twice and they haven't come in months. And we can't put new, group mem- new members into their groups because their group looks full on paper uh, and we have a hesitancy to add new people. Or maybe you do have a really full group and we have to, for a season, say, okay, we can't add any more people to this group because they already have so, so many. And so we have to know what groups have room and ability to add new members. A way that you can help out with this is this. Number one, make sure you're taking attendance. And make sure that you take attendance right after your group is over. So we have an accurate number of who's coming, who's the visitors, how many regular members that you have attending. And then what you can do secondly is to go through your group and planning center. And if you have people who have not attended your group in months, take note of them. I don't want you to remove them. Take note of them and let us know. Let me know. Let Linda know. So we can reach out to see where they are in the life of Compass. It might be that many of them have left, that many of them are, have uh, moved out of town, that many of them aren't around anymore, and so we can make sure that they found a good home church and take them off of our membership on our life groups. Now, you also need to uh, make sure... Uh, that uh, we uh, yeah, I, I, let me just restate that. If you have people who haven't attended your group much, we need to know because we need to be able to know what to do with them so that when we graduate more people from Exploring Compass, we can put them in your group. Now, uh, another way to fix this problem is to let us know if there are couples in your group who would be great life group leaders and are willing to begin the process to become life group leaders. I mean, that's going to be very helpful for all of us is not that we can put more people in your group, but that we can raise up more life group leaders and put people in new groups. And so if you have people who who you believe are equipped and prepared to become life group leaders, let us know and let's get that process going. And that is a great way that we're going to continue building up life groups here at our church, because the wonderful thing is... Most churches aren't growing in the summer, uh, but our church has had this special season of growth in the summertime, and with that becomes more people being a part of life groups. So be praying with us that God would have a place for all the people who would want to be a part of Compass, and let's be praying for new leaders to raise them up here in the church to multiply God's church here in the Hill Country.
0: All right, Pastor Hayden, we have a few announcements. And so last week we opened the Compass Bookstore, but what do you want to take the lead on this very first announcement that we have? That's
1: right. Sunday? So you will be the first ones to know this, and we will be excited to announce this this weekend, but we are opening this week Compass Coffee Co. Woo! That's right. So we're going to have a coffee shop functioning, a fully functional coffee shop in our lobby. Uh, and lattes. Lattes. Americanos. Americanos. Drip coffee. Drip coffee, yeah, all those things, and uh, it's going to be open on Sundays. For the first few weeks, it's going to be open on Sundays, and then following that, we're going to give you guys some more updates on some hours that we'll have the coffee shop open through the week, so you can come up here, uh, do discipleship, hang out, do some work, and be with the people of God, and so, but this Sunday is going to start the opening on Sunday mornings, and it'll be open before the 9 a.m. service, after the 9 a.m. service, before the 11, and after the 11. So there'll be plenty of time outside of services to come get some coffee. It'll be closed during service, so no coffee during service because we want you no coffee in service. But we are excited to announce the opening of Compass Coffee Co., and we can't wait for you to come get some coffee and hang out with us.
0: Well, speaking of coffee, there'll be coffee at the women's breakfast, and that's where Mm. your wife will be teaching the Word of God. Do you want to talk about that real quick, Pastor Aiden?
1: Yes, Compass Women's event, Saturday, June 25th at 10 a.m. here at Compass Bible Church, and it's a time for fellowship, breakfast, and worship, and my wife will be bringing a message on the danger of our words from James chapter 3.
0: And finally, Compass Bible Church... um, you know life group leaders we still have registrations open for the summer camps mm. and the way to think about this pastor Hayden and I were talking is that you know there's plenty of things for them you know these kids and students to do here in New Braunfels mm. but what they can't get here in New Braunfels you know in just the secular environment is the word of god and so yes the kids are going to have fun at science art at science camp art camp camp compass and the students will have fun at the summer camp revival but this is a time to teach them the importance of who God is and his Mm -hmm. word and how they need to respond to the truth that he's communicated through his word. So let's continue to invite families and, and to their kids and the students to these camps so that they can grow in the knowledge of who God is and rightly respond to the truth of the gospel.
1: And that's how you should frame it right there. Exactly. You can go to the lake, you can go to the river, you can go to the park, but here we're going to have fun and we're going to make people and show people the importance of God's word and teach their kids those important principles of who God is and why that matters to us. All right, Life Group leaders, so grateful for you. I am praying for you, and I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in your Life Group this week.